It is our to the game, the game after work. Mitch Fortner, Troy Coverdale, David G, AJ Shaw. AJ will answer your calls if you want to chime in. 537-1350 is the number to call. So you got a number one song of the day and ask us anything coming up. We'll get to more uh, Chris Kleiman here in uh, in just a moment. Another thing on uh, you know Matt Campbell, you know that uh, that art that um, you know Mel Tucker is now out. At Mississippi State, you know, these tantrums he's throwing, that's not going to make him look good to those folks at Mississippi, Mich- or Michigan, Michigan State. State. Yeah. Did I say Mississippi State? You did. My bad. Well, either the, the, them too. You know what I'm saying? Mississippi State either. They're not going to look at they're gonna look at that and go, well, that's the kind of guy we want to bring in. Maybe Ohio. They're like, well, I want a feisty guy back in the MAC. You know? I mean, <laughs> Michigan State, definitely, they're not going to take that well. Well, let's not waste a whole lot of time because we got a lot of clips to get to because it was, uh, you know, some kind of a downer, to be honest with you, a downer of a press conference. It's, uh, boy, injuries adding up quite quickly. And I remember saying in the preseason, I hope K-State doesn't find themselves just chasing to be healthy all year. Well, we now know the case that they're not going to be healthy all year long with now the bad news that we got today on Daniel Green. This is from Chris Kleiman's press conference. We did lose Daniel Green for the season, and he had surgery this morning. So that surgery was for a pec injury. I uh, don't know necessarily the you know, all the details on the injury, but yeah. Out for the year, uh, Kleiman saying earlier today as well that he is going to see if there is an opportunity to maybe bring him back for his seventh year with a medical red shirt. I don't really follow the rules on that. Maybe Troy would know a little bit of something. But I remember, I don't know if this did, uh, if it was the rule for football, for but basically for the any other sport, as long as you have played less than 30% of the season, you can get a medical redshirt. That is true. The flaw that comes into this is, and, and I've got, I don't have all of the research in front of me in terms of how his timeline has played out. Has he had a redshirt year already? That's one issue at play. Now, things get confusing when you add in you had the COVID exemption year. So that is essentially, you know, you just kind of wipe that out well, that was, in terms yeah. of an eligibility year. Yeah, I mean, that was supposed to be this year. He did redshirt in 2018. Okay. Uh, but the fact that he then essentially had what would have been his COVID year, uh added back would have been this year yeah there's that possibility yeah the thing is but it it, it's it's going to be a very interesting ask of the ncaa there's no doubt about that um but you know uh the fact that let's see i mean he's already 24 years old he's already 24 It's game three of the season that he gets injured in, so you're right on the cusp of of the four that gets talked about in terms of, you know, you're talking about, let's see, uh, yeah, I mean, number of games on the schedule. They start doing the math of it. And well, I don't think that matters. No, it doesn't at this point because it was so early in the schedule. Um, you know, I'm going from the experience of having had a six-year uh, at at Northern Colorado, uh, because we joked about that they could have done the uh, done the poster the one year with him half android half mm-hmm. uh, like the Terminator, um, because of how bad his shoulder had been. Um, you know he got he got medical redshirt twice over. 
Yeah, and and so I mean, it, it that's how it people has happened. Yeah, that's how it typically happen. You get to that eighth year. It's just because they get hurt and they get the waiver basically from the NCAA. Yeah, come back for another year. Let's see how huh. healthy you are, or whatever. So, you know. So we're not calling it a day on the career of Daniel Green. We're not, no. Yeah. Um, but, again, uh, the NCAA has has a number of interesting things to plow through when it comes to eligibility questions right now When because that COVID year really does throw a kink into all of it. Still. Still. <laughs> Here we are. How many right. years later? It's yes. Still. Yes. Well, hopefully we're getting now to the days where, I mean, I think we're getting close, right, of uh, maybe another year of having to deal with extra COVID years and yeah. maybe mm-hmm. we'll finally be done with all that because, and I'll be honest with you, I'm the worst of keeping up with how many years of eligibility a guy has yeah. because of the COVID year. Right. I'm typically wrong half the time. I think I remember <laughs> last year, I think I said uh, Philip Brooks was done. No, he had an extra year. I was like, I was saying the whole year he was done right. after last year. I was like, oh my God. See, I'm the worst about this. Sorry, but, Phil. But jumping back to Daniel Green, um, as you can imagine, it's been hard for the guys taking the Daniel Green news. He's been the heart and soul for those guys and for our football team. And Daniel and I have been through an awful lot since the first day I got here. And I, I've never seen a, a young man grow into such a man and what a leader that Daniel Green is and has been. And will still be for our players, but he'll do it in a different different light as more of a student coach. And so uh, I'm just I'm gut-wrenched by losing him and not because of just the football part of it, but just having that kid around every day at practice and being really the uh, the lifeblood of the of the defense and now some other guys have to step up and I'm sure it's been an emotional couple of days Daniel Green had his surgery today it sounded like that they gave Daniel the floor at like a team meeting to announce that he's done for the year and I'm sure that was hard to hold back the emotions because mm-hmm. he has been a part of this team now for six years he's one of uh just a select few that played during the Bill Snyder mm-hmm. uh, well he didn't play but he was a part of the roster last right. year for Bill Snyder and in 2018, but now the reins are going to be handed over to Austin Romaine, who's going to be the starter. Uh, he won't play all the snaps, but Austin Romaine, a true freshman from Hillsboro, Missouri, will now be the uh, the starter at middle linebacker. And Coach Kleiman says he's ready to go. Grabbed him after practice. He belongs. He's a, he's a really good football player. I think we've seen that in the first few weeks. Um, now you know he's got to be a catalyst in there, and Bo Palmer will play a lot too. Between those two, you know we've always protected Daniel uh, through fall camp. So those two guys got most of the reps throughout fall camp, even when Daniel was was banged up a little bit. So from a practice standpoint, uh, those two um, have done a nice job. Now they got to do it in a game situation. You know Austin Romain. I mean, he came into. K-State's program, I mean, when he arrived, he was already kind of like game ready. Mm-hmm. Jacked 230-something. He's 6'2", big kid from Hillsboro, Missouri. I mean, I remember when the recruiting class was completed and about how that – I remember talking with D.Y. from Case in a line about it. he is like one of the better players mm-hmm. of this class. But, I mean, you know, maybe for lack of a better term, but when he takes over, he's green <laughs> as, as a linebacker. I mean, he's yeah. still learning K-State. And so much so that, you know, K-State wants him to focus, you know, game one against UCF and, you know, just depending on when Jake Clifton comes back. And I would think, you know, Jake Clifton may take Austin Romaine's spot when he comes back. I would assume he would. You know, uh, Jake Clifton has been kind of the backup plan for all three positions at linebacker. But Austin's going to get this moment to shine and they need him to focus on execution, 
focus on – we're going to let Austin Moore take in the signs. He'll relay the signs to the defense. Just need Austin Romain to help execute and be smart, make the right place. K-State's linebackers are going to be very key in trying to make – and I don't think it's going to be exactly possible – but shutting down the run of UCF, K-State's defense has been lights out of stopping the run. Well, who's been a pretty big key part of that? Daniel Green. Yeah. Daniel Green has been a run stuffer during his time at K-State. Can Austin Romain replace that? Well, no. I mean, he can't replace the experience. I don't think he can replace necessarily – the the focus and reading the defense uh, you just you can't replace that experience Daniel Green has but Austin Romain's got to try his best and try to make a splash early on because I mean let's be real if he's in this spot and he's a true freshman he's going to be looked upon as the future of K-State football at that position (laughs) yeah for sure man what a situation that has just popped up I know this and they, they talked about having Daniel Green come in as a player-coach kind of situation. If you tell Daniel Green the way you can help this team is coach these guys up and put out your experience and tell them what's going on, he is going to give it 150,000%. And that's great. That He will be able to still help this team and contribute to this season by being there with that experience and that, that um, just that senior, super senior kind of uh, level-headedness. Meanwhile, I mean, Dan Green, the only player out for the year, but you know, some guys questionable or doubtful on the offensive side for Saturday against UCF. You know, Treshawn Ward got banged up. You guys saw that. I, I think he's doubtful. We'll learn more later in the week, but I would say he's doubtful. Will Howard, uh, I would say, would be questionable. He didn't practice yesterday. I think he's limited today. Uh, we just got to figure that one out as as the week goes on. Probably won't know on that one till later in the week. You know, if you were to ask me the question, if one, if you were to have, if you were to pick one running back to be the guy, like one was injured, one could play. Who would you pick to play? Would it be DJ Giddens or Treshawn Ward? I don't know if I can answer that fairly. I mean, as just a simple running back of running the football, just grinding down the field. You know, probably actually DJ Giddens would be your guy. I mean, he's been you know six yards a carry right now. He's doing quite well, and they have split the carries almost evenly mm-hmm. through three games. But I will say, you know, without Treshawn Ward, I think he was pretty pivotal in a way uh, because again, K State missed so many opportunities in that second half. But moving the football down the field, you know, Treshawn was starting to be used a lot more in the passing game, and he was really one of K State's best pass catchers against. Missouri, especially in the second half. You know, he had a big play that led K-State to kick in a field goal. They unfortunately didn't get the touchdown, but leading to that field goal. You know, Treshawn, they did they did a better job of getting him in the passing game. They're going to be missing that uh, when you're already limited with pass catchers. Um, you know, Keegan Johnson, I think, is still pretty banged up. Mm-hmm. And he's not playing 100%. And he's struggling to truly get separation out in the passing game. So hopefully he does step up. Now, when it comes to Will Howard, am I worried a little bit? I would be in a different spot if Avery Johnson wasn't there to back him up. Avery Johnson's the golden boy. He's the Kansas golden boy in the future of K-State football. He's passed Jake Ribley on the depth chart. 
he's going to get the reins. He's going to get the spot if Will Howard doesn't go. Now, we're not ruling him out or anything. Maybe Will does play in this game, but if it's not Will, it's going to be Avery Johnson. We're going to see him throw it. I got to say, you know, there was a player, there was actually a couple of plays where Chris, or, uh, yeah, Chris Kleiman said that, uh, you know, we actually had some busted coverage there. Like, we had some busted assignments, and Avery made the best of that and made it a positive play. I was like, after I heard that, I'm like, man, I don't think we know how good we have it at backup quarterback mm-hmm. and how good we have it with Avery Johnson as a true freshman, SEC Stadium sold out, and it is crunch time. Everybody's nervous. It is a nerve-wracking fourth quarter. And Avery's just calm, cool, and collected, runs the football and picks up some nice chunk of right. chunks uh, every you know, when he runs the ball four or five times. I think they gave a run, actually, to uh, I think it was Phil or Treshawn Ward and not uh, Avery Johnson. So he had five carries for over 30 yards. Um, and I, I, you know, I believe that he can throw the football as well, but it's also a different animal when you're you know, if it is his first start or first truly significant snaps where he has to throw the football against UCF, it's a different animal. Mm-hmm. But it would be, I think, a lot different if Avery Johnson was not here. It also would be a lot different if we hadn't already seen him taking snaps in a game in, yeah, okay, not crunch time, but in a role where he actually was called upon to run the offense a bit, not just hand it off. Or not just tuck the ball himself and run. Well, even if Will is healthy and he plays Saturday, full roll, Avery Johnson is still going to play against UCF. Mm-hmm. I think they would evolve the package for him, though. It's not just going to be simple handoffs or he just kind of a design run, finds the gap, maybe cuts it up and runs it up you know, middle and gets some couple extra yards. It would be a little bit more on his plate than just that. I think it would evolve to him throwing the football a little bit. Mm-hmm. They would just expand as it goes on, make his role a little bit bigger, you know, throw a little bit more out there that you didn't see the previous week to maybe catch the defense off guard a little bit. Something on film that they weren't ready for. You know, that's what you do. You expand mm-hmm. the roles of guys like that as the season goes on and throw a little bit more into the playbook. Uh, let's see. Meanwhile, let's see what else we can get to here. Um it, oh well, and by the way, I, w- I won't play the clip, but you know, I thought it was interesting that coach actually threw out a, quite a few names of with Treshawn Ward most likely out for Saturday of who would take you know the backup spot there um, at running back Jordan Shippers, who has played only garbage time. He did have a touchdown in the Sugar Bowl, by the way. Would maybe get some snaps. Uh, Le James White was also a very interesting one because I think people forget that this kid transferred to K State. He's a five seven sophomore. He, played previously uh well I shouldn't say played he did not play at all um in his two years at Air Force so he has very he has zero experience Mm -hmm. at the college level and he might get his debut as well Joe Jackson who's a true freshman might get some attention as well but you are going to see a lot more now on the plate for this game and I don't know about the future but at least this game you're going to need DJ Giddens to do a lot more but I will say we got good news. Christian Duffy is back in the lineup. He's going to play right guard. He's going to be on a pitch uh, count a little bit, maybe 20 to 30 snaps, so it's going to be limited. But a big part about that as well is that that allows you to keep Cooper Beebe at left guard. Mm-hmm. That is huge. Not moving him all over the place at right tackle because that compromises then a little bit, compromises 
some pass blocking, compromises in the middle, compromises some uh, some run blocking. And I guess you know Taylor Portier is is off to a slow start. He he blew it on that third down play that led to a field goal when K State tied it up. Um, so hopefully that'll sure up a few things for K State's offensive line of keeping Cooper Beebe at left guard. Everybody's going to be at their normal spots, not you know juggling. You're not moving pieces all over the place for the offensive line. Things are the way they're meant to be. Let's put it that way mm-hmm. for the offensive line. So maybe it will gel a little bit more in pass protection uh, moving forward for the UCF game. They, I didn't know. I don't know if you saw this, but they were moving guys in and out during drives. I mean, it was a, uh, uh, the the offensive line. No one, <laughs> the starting positions changed so much during drives. I have never really seen much of that. I have definitely seen game by game, half by half, a guy, you need to pull a guy because of whatever reason, plug somebody else in there, I get it. But at some point, at some point, you got to pick your starting five and you have to ride with those guys. That That's who it's got to be. The juggling in, in, in between, in during drives, during the first, you play first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, trade off. It, it works, sometimes it'll work at one spot. You have two guys you want to swap, uh, one position, but the like actually moving guys around is got it's, it doesn't work. If it worked like that, everybody would do it like that. You know what I'm saying? But it doesn't work like that. Yeah, I didn't like moving Hadley Panzer around to left guard when Cooper would leave left guard and go over to right tackle or whatever. Um, it's too much, man. I get what they're trying to do, and I appreciate the the really. I appreciate those guys. I appreciate the offensive line willing to come in, shuffle in and out, and do this substitute thing, the kind of line change like you do in hockey. But you got to pick five and go, and that's the way it's got to be. You want to be able to get guys' experience. You want to be able to be a bit flexible. But in all honesty, you also want that unit to be in sync, and they have not been in sync through any of the games this season. Why? I mean, it. yeah, it makes it look like that missing Christian Duffy is the issue. It's more the issue that it's been a constant rotation and guys are being pressed into different spots, play to play to play, and you're asking them to adjust on the fly constantly. And it, it it hasn't allowed them to to gel and get a feel for who's next to them for any solid length of time. Right. And what's your blocking assignment? That right. changes every play. Every play. Now I got you I you you owe it to your teammates to know that playbook. You you owe it. That's what you sign up to do. That's your job. That's what you gotta do. But it works so much better when a guy you the repetitions there at every position and you go DG and I were talking uh, during the break that, uh, you know, why can't K-State just go into a conference play undefeated? Well, they did that, you know, one time. You might remember um, in 2021, 
Uh, and then, you know, K-State goes 0-3 to start Big 12. Play, so. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. It, I yeah, I, it. it might always be just kind of a blessing in disguise. Get that oh. early loss out of the way and then kind of cruise through the first few games of conference play like the Cats did last year. Uh, I take it back. And it was that it was that recent. I really I forgot totally forgot about that. 3 and 0 headed in and then dropped three straight Big 12 games. Ouch. The heck's that all about? Cuz uh in 2021, okay, so I know Nevada. Um god. Totally blanking. I got to look it up here real quick. Yeah. Stanford Stan- oh, that's Ooh. right, SIU. That's right, because uh, Skyler got hurt in the um, Southern Illinois game. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Stanford was my first PA officially as the new guy. Oh, right on. AT and T Stadium. Oh yeah, that's a heck of a deal to break in for your first one, official. Well, I kept getting uh, I get kept getting texts of people at the, at, at the game and sitting in the lower level. We can't hear you. Turn up the volume. I'm like. <laughs> Turn up the volume. Sure, I'll just, you know, this knob that's right in front of me. <laughs> what do you think this is? Blast it to 11. Come on, man. This isn't some small-time t- small gig. It's a big big show, dude. Come on. I'm not going to lie. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, it's though. pretty sweet. Although I don't like, I didn't like being in the corner mm. of the stadium, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. It was like on the east end or whatever. That's whatever, but it was a good time. Yeah, that stadium is beautiful. It's 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 not only really pretty, but it's huge. But I just could not keep my eyes off that screen. That screen is it's too big. So okay, so K State under Kleiman went undefeated in in non conference play in nineteen and twenty one. Well, okay, so I established in twenty one started zero and three in Big Twelve play mm. in nineteen. K-State beats Nichols, Bowling Green, and Mississippi State on the road and then lose to Oklahoma State Baylor the first two games of Big 12 play. Really? So when they go undefeated in non-con play, K-State does not come out of the gate well in the conference. It spells doom. So here's the deal. K-State's only chance (laughs) to win the Big 12 this year (laughs) was by losing to to Missouri. I'll take it. I'll take it. Fine. As I say, what would you rather have? Lose to Mizzou and win a Big 12 championship or beat Mizzou and finish fourth. Heaven help us. No question. No question. We already know. Beat Mizzou. <laughs> no, no. Big 12 championship, of course. Uh, but, you know, what What loss hurts you more, Tulane or the Mizzou game? I think oh, history will tell yeah. us the Mizzou game is going to hurt a lot more. If you remember, you know, down the road how the game all went down, losing on a 61-yarder. Yeah, it, it was a kick in the testicles. It really was. Yeah. But – you know, the two-lane game, that was also like, holy crap, maybe we're yeah. not that good. Adrian needs to throw it down the field. We're, we're kind of bouncing back to last year and taking, well, you know, after losing to Tulane, all of a sudden Adrian is launching it down the field. And by the way, he ran for like a 1,000 yards and four touchdowns. He takes a bow like the badass yeah. that he that he is, mm-hmm. which no, by the I mean, way now he's interning in Nebraska. No, I don't know about I about that move. You know, I I said it. I said it on maybe it was Sunday on Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it. But two and one, coming out of the non-conference night game to open conference play. Awesome. You know, hey, wait a minute. We were in this position last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but were we not worried about? Sure, you know, Dylan oh, Gabriel oh, sure. and you know Oklahoma's defense. You know, 
it turned out that t- they were actually horrible. Yeah. But before they played K State last year, Oklahoma's defense had hardly let anybody score. They smashed Nebraska. Do you remember that? It yeah. Was, yeah. And then it just seemed to be that performance, specifically Adrian's performance, carried throughout the season. We it, it just gave that team a swag, and it just like just kept the uh, like the like the bow. I'll never forget that for as long as I live. That mm-hmm. performance will stick out of my mind, and it really carried through. I'm hoping that we can catch that same kind of mojo. Um, you know, UCF a little less of an important <laughs> opponent. You know, it doesn't have the ring that an, a win at Oklahoma quite does, but still. I'd like to get back on that train of confidence. And and these guys go, yeah, we, we, are, we are good. Tulane also... It'll make me feel much better if at the end of the season Missouri's playing in like the Cotton Bowl against USC and like spanking them. You know right. what I mean? Like yeah. that really, <laughs> it really like solidified what I thought about Tulane and it proved like this is no fluke. Wow. These guys are good and I was happy for them. Definitely. But we got, to me, this is a much different, this is a much different storyline that's playing out oh, yeah. to last year because last year, let's if if you look at the issues and you you make a list of what you felt what was K State's issues after Tulane compared to after Missouri, the concerns, issues, whatever that seems like a longer list after Missouri. Absolutely yeah, valid, Be- and the injury list is longer. Well, that I mean, I, I was trying to think back as like I don't remember a whole lot of like key injuries at the yeah. time for K State after yeah. Tulane. Really, the only issue was, man, Adrian, you should have pitched it to Deuce on that last play offensively. He was not throwing it down the field, a lot of checkdowns. I think he was averaging, like, out of all the throws he had had, like maybe 10% were over 10 yards or 20% were over 10 yards. He just wasn't throwing it down the field, wasn't looking for receivers. Maybe some of that was on the receivers as well, but just had to see some movement out of the passing game. Needed something. And then he responds with slinging it down the yard to Ben Sinnott. Ben Sinnott, by the way, jumping onto the scene because uh-huh. of that. Uh-huh. Uh, and now you have injuries adding up. There are concerns with the secondary. Offensive line getting Christian Duffy back. I'm going to put any concerns I have about the offensive line now on pause. Let's see how that plays out. We're getting back to normal, okay? We, we've already dealt with an injury issue with the offensive line. Now that we at least have Duffy back to take some snaps, and he's on a, he's going to be on a pitch count, of course, but we're back to normal. So let's put those to rest for right now. Let's hit the pause button. We'll revisit after UCF, and let's we'll, we'll respond on that. But with the injuries, now you're missing skill guys. You're going to miss Trayshawn Ward. Will Howard is questionable. You know, now in comes Avery Johnson. Can he prove to be the guy if he does play? And by the way, now you have a season-ending injury for your leader on defense in Daniel Green. I appreciate the optimism, and a piece of that still is in my heart that if this turns into another after-two-lane run for K-State, phenomenal. I really hope that happens. But this is a different animal right now. Did not have the injuries like we did this year. Those did not exist last year. You know, the injuries did not start to add up until the last few games of the regular season when Kobe Savage got hurt. Or I, actually, I should say the TCU game. Mm-hmm. When, you, when those guys started dropping like flies. That was a bad game. And like half the game. And then for the you know meaningful snaps, you have half of the second string in because you don't have anybody else to go with. Yeah. You know, and we learned in the uh, Big 12 championship game that K State could 
survive through that. I'm not exactly sure how well K-State's going to survive through these injuries. That's a story that is yet to be written. That's a chapter, rather, that hasn't been written yet. So I don't know. Heading into Saturday, the way I feel right now, I'm worried. Because there's too many question marks. And Timmy McLean, who's the quarterback now for UCF, I was looking forward to seeing John Rice Plumley play. He's not going to. But he did pretty well against Villanova. Crappy team that he played against, but did pretty well. He just did what was needed to be done, is execute. And keep the tempo of the offense up, and they cruise to a victory. Mm -hmm. What they can do offensively worries me. I think K-State can do a decent job of stopping the run. I think they'll do a great job of stopping the run. But a piece of me worries that the the secondary has been exposed. Mm -hmm. And opposing offenses now are going to try to exploit that. And K-State's going to need to make some big adjustments quickly, Mm -hmm. as in a week. Yeah. There are, there's just so much adding up at one time that it makes you nervous for a game like this. And UCF, heading into the, heading into the season, was like, you know, that's probably going to be the best newcomer. Mm. But now Boise, or not Boise, but BYU has kind of been like, well, hey, you know, we just went to Arkansas and I beat them. Spanked them. And that's a good Arkansas mm-hmm. team. That is So good. maybe BYU's a lot better than we thought they were, and mm-hmm. KU's going to have to deal with them at home. Oof. So we could have some weird games in the state of Kansas this Saturday. Uh-huh. And and honestly, how do you feel about KU after some issues against Nevada the other night? I wish I would have watched more of that game mm-hmm. because once Colorado Colorado State really got rolling, I didn't pay as close sure. attention. I was just kind of watching the score. But KU should not have struggled like they did against Nevada. Mm-hmm. Nevada's a bad team. That was they they've lost now like thirteen in a row. They're not good. Oof. And KU defensively was having some issues. Mm-hmm. And but the offense still did its job, even though they didn't score as many points as I thought they would. Yeah, this is for K State. It's such a like you said. It's so different because last season you have so many experienced guys sprinkled throughout, especially on defense. You think about the corners, and think about King Felix, Daniel Green still back there, and the only injury question heading into Oklahoma was is Adrian Martinez hurt? Like is is yeah. his shoulder hurt? Is that why he can't throw? Like what's about going that. on here? Yeah, you're right. We were we were like speculating and then it's lights out. We are gonna learn a whole bunch about this team on Saturday night. We are gonna learn a ton. I'm really hopeful looking forward to uh, the future, and, and the future is now. It's right now. There, There's going to be some guys who are going to be, instead of kind of walked into it, we're going to be shoving people into the pool action. You know, like, let's go. <laughs> you got to swim. Let's do it. And it, it isn't going to be pretty at all times, but I do think, I do trust in the coaching staff. I think they learned a lot uh, about this team on Saturday as well. Um, and they're going to learn a lot this week and this weekend. Um, if there's, if there's one thing I, I'm really, I'm just thinking like UCF is going to come out and run the ball a lot and then they're going to go pull the old okie doke and go over the top, like play action. That could be a thing, you know, like this, we, we got beat over the top a lot. Well, and Kleiman said during the press conference today, they're going to run a lot of trickery and try to do things that mess with your eyes. And I think here comes yeah, the eyeballs again at the secondary mm-hmm. of they got to recognize what they're seeing and what plays out and, and react. And if, they, and if they're late or make the wrong read, 
Now they're giving up the biggest play of the night. Right. I mean, it could go so wrong so easily against a team like UCF. Mm-hmm. And the way they like to run, Gus Malzahn likes to run his offense, an offensive guy. And Timmy McClain's going to be ready to go. He's experienced. He's way more experienced than Avery Johnson is. It's not even close. But hopefully, Timmy McClain will get the in, or not the, the uh, turnover prone mm. McClain that we've seen it, uh, not we, but has been seen a time or two in the state of Florida. And I think that's a huge key in K State force turnovers. Yeah. Let's take a break. We'll finish up the show. I know where I'm going to be in my sleep.